0: Everybody be cool you be cool seven ladies and gentlemen your attention please uh, for this afternoon's feature
1: attraction the university of alabama in tuscaloosa this is aspect radio i'm ben flanagan happy fourth of july weekend to one and all Corey is on vacation and he might think he got off easy this week saw the release of the third installment in what the little studio that could summon entertainment is calling the twilight saga the globally popular film series based on stephanie Meyer's equally popular books yes eclipse is upon us just seven months or a little more after the last film, New Moon, was released. The first two modestly-budgeted adaptations saw a worldwide gross of more than $1 billion, and the phenomenon hasn't slowed at all. Now, while the films and books have achieved enormous success, and Meyer and Summit are likely diabolically laughing all the way to the bank, it is highly fashionable among non twyhards to unleash a fury of vitriol on this franchise, especially those who dig on high art, you know those real books and films that don't pander to tweeners seeking their fix of repression via love triangle between Bella Swan, Edward Cullen, and those walking abs known as Jacob Black. Now my wife Tess, she is an avid fan of the Twilight novels and films she could not be here to lay it all out there and defend her precious series to her snobby husband, that being me. She's busy fulfilling obligations related to grad school so we understand. But joining me today is wife of contributor and friend of the show Matt Scalici, Francesca Scalici, Francesca, welcome to the show.
0: Well, hello. I'm happy to be here. Well,
1: great. Well, now, Francesca, I know for a fact, a fact that you have read all four of Meyers' books, and that's roughly 2,500 pages of gut-wrenching emo vampire love yeah. that folks either cherish to death or really love to hate, your husband falling into that latter category. So you've used this past week to finally see the first two films, directed by Katherine Hardwick and Chris Weitz, respectively, and you saw Eclipse a couple of nights ago in what I can imagine to be a theater full of hormonal teenagers gasping and applauding like mine did. Now, setting aside your feelings for those first two films for a moment, did Eclipse in the hands of filmmaker David Slade finally make a compelling film to help justify sifting through so many pages of young adult literature or is this never-ending debate of Team Edward versus Team Jacob just a big waste of time?
0: Uh, It is the worst ever committed to film. Okay, I can't say that, but I can say it is the worst thing ever seen by this many people who think it's great. It's so bad, but it's not... It's hard for me to separate film from the story. The source material is really ridiculous, so it's hard to say that was a bad film because they're working with bad source material. I guess it's a good representation of the book, is what I can say. These films are a good representation of three, thus far, terrible books.
1: Well, okay, and before you go on here, because I'm sure you've got a lot to say about this, yeah. my first question to you is why? Why did you read the first book? I guess, you know, your curiosity was there for it. It piqued your interest at first. But if it was so bad, if the source material was so bad, why did you go on? Why did you read the following three books? Why Why would you waste your time if it was so awful?
0: It should be said, curiosity is not what made me read these books. My friend Jessica Orzo, I will say her name on the radio, Jessica Orzo, told me these books are so great. Like, they're dumb, but they're really so enjoyable. So I read them, and I read them all. And I read them all in a quest to figure out why the AT Double Hockey Sticks, everybody loves them. And it's it's kind of really more frustrating that in it there is a good story somewhere. It's just in the hands of someone who is completely inept and doesn't get that what is interesting is the mythology she set up, because I will grant her that. Like, the werewolves, and the vampires, and, like, the Volturi, like, that kind of stuff. I mean, it could be cool. It is compelling to read that. Unfortunately, it's couched in, like, five million pages of, like, you're beautiful. No, you're beautiful. You're the only reason I live. No, you are. Uh, let's die together. It's really, like really
1: bad. Well, <laughs> like, look... The I,
0: dialogue uh, is terrible, you know, but there is this shell of what could have been a really interesting story there.
1: But I just don't understand, I, you know, a friend of mine, not, not even Tess, or a family member could uh, recommend me something uh, so much to where I would read the first one, hate it, and then go on to read, you know, thousands of more pages just to, just to do it. I wouldn't force myself to do that. You had to like it to some extent beyond the mythology, right?
0: No, I really didn't have to. Uh, The Bella and Jacob and Edward thing is maddening. If for no other reason, the main character, Bella, who you're supposed to relate to and who is supposed to be, like, super cool and has two guys fighting to the death over her, is, like, the most boring character committed to the written word. What's
1: boring about her?
0: She doesn't do anything. Uh Uh-huh. She doesn't do anything. And uh, maybe i It was a while ago that I read the book. Maybe I've forgotten... When she and Edward fall in love, but certainly by you know by the movies, they fall in love because they're both beautiful. I mean, they don't ever have a conversation that's like, wait a second, we spark to one another. Like we can say interesting things and find each other compelling. He sparkles, and she's like, you are the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, a man in glitter makeup. Look, in the sunlight. It all
1: started in that biology class, Francesca. Yeah,
0: where he. P.S. He is totally a tool. He is a major tool. Why? He's a jerk to her. He's always like, I don't want you seeing him. I, and he makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> so he's controlling. Okay,
1: well, let's talk about the movies, okay? You're, 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 okay? We know how you feel about the books. You saw the first two movies earlier this week. You, you, did, a, you did a Twilight Marathon uh, okay. with, with the first couple. I mean, tell me what your experience and reaction was like to those movies.
0: Um, the first one I was watching while my daughter was napping in the next room. So if you had seen me... You would have seen my eyes rolling into the back of my head, and me, like, with two hands over my mouth, stifling laughter. Is like, hang on, my spider monkey ears. So, what? Yeah. So bad. And again, I don't know if it's fair to to you know voice this judgment on the films necessarily mm-hmm. because I was doing that while I was reading the book, mm-hmm. and you know, I I read them, I read them all. I admit that right. they're readable, you know, and and I'm not above saying that I'm looking for a book that I can read I don't I'm old and I don't care and I will tell you I'm not looking to be challenged in reading I'm looking to be entertained when I read and you know it's entertaining in as much as you know like watching stupid reality television is entertaining so the films weren't going this is dumb
1: but I mean were the films entertaining in that sense to you
0: I mean, I I watched them. They right. were
1: watchable. Well, you had to study up before today, so I mean, you had to watch them, right? So, but I mean, did you? Was there anything that you could enjoy about them, or are they just are they just a pair of bombs that you walk away from and say, look, that's that's terrible filmmaking, uh, regardless of what I feel about the books.
0: If I'm judging it on the filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Separating that from the story, which, again, is very hard for me to do, because, you know, I can't think of a time that I've seen a movie that I was like, that was a good movie, but the story was terrible, or vice versa. It was, I think, pretty bad filmmaking, too. Okay. I mean, special effects were real cheesy. There were moments, like, there were choices, like, their first kiss was, like, 25 minutes long before they even kissed. Mm-hmm. There is definitely an element of, they're, like, they're shooting it, like, and this is a strong word to say, but I can't help but feel, it's like kitty porn. Mm-hmm. Like, they're really, like, selling the sex aspect, which is, of course, ironic, because this is all about not having sex. Right. But, like, this, this most recent one, I'm sitting in the theater, and I'm like, people are here with their 11-year-old kids, and I'm surprised that this is, like, it's just, it's titillating. It seems like the filmmakers are really going to get those squeals. Like that's what they're after, right? It
1: gets a little more mature by the third one, and let me let me say what I felt about the first two movies. I didn't think that they were great movies by any means, but look, I haven't read the books, and again, I know that it's fashionable to bash Twilight books and Twilight films and pretty much everything about them. But call me fashion. <laughs> well, you know, but Tess, she she dug the books. She still does. She read all four of them, just like you. She's an avid reader. She's a very smart girl, so of, of course I'm going to... No, don't,
0: don't let her listen to this, please.
1: Uh, well, she's going I'll to. I her to
0: still like me.
1: I really wanted her to be here so you two could go at it. Um, but, look, I thought that they were... I, I just thought that they were kind of mediocre movies. Uh, I didn't, you know, I, there, there were things to like about them. I thought there was some fair humor. But otherwise, I thought that they were pretty hollow experiences with amateur actors. Because, I mean, you're, you're talking about Summit Entertainment. They, they don't have all the money in the world to hire... Uh, top-level talent, though some people might even argue that Kristen Stewart falls into that category. I think that she's really lost a lot of followers after uh, what she's done with these movies. I mean, she had a really nice start to her career with Panic Room, and people were really sort of uh, throwing a spotlight on her as one to watch, and even recently in the movie Adventureland, which has a lot of fans, people say she did a lot of good work, too. Um, but, I, you know, I just I didn't really buy into Robert Pattinson as a very strong screen presence. He's getting a little bit better. But by the second movie, I thought that this new character that they introduced, or, I mean, he's in the first film, but he has a much larger role this time. You have Jacob Black, played by Taylor Lautner, and this was a guy who was a controversial pick to play Jacob in the second movie. A lot of people thought that he didn't have the physical tools to pull it off because apparently he undergoes this... Uh, transformation, I guess, with his body where he becomes this overpowering muscular specimen, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Taylor Lautner did the work. He got into shape, and the ladies love him now. But, I don't think Taylor Lautner's a very good actor. And I I didn't enjoy his performance in the second movie. And so, going into Eclipse, I thought, okay, well, I really hope this guy has gotten better in seven months and maybe less, you know, uh, because they had to shoot the movie pretty quickly. uh, and, And my fears were pretty much realized. I didn't think he had gotten that much better. I think he's very stiff, and I think... in Look, I don't know much about acting. I didn't study drama or anything like that, but it's just highly forced, um, very exaggerated, lots of huffing and puffing, and it's a guy who's trying way too hard and uh, not just kind of going with the flow, and it really kind of is frustrating because he makes Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart look like master thespians, don't you think? Um...
0: No, I wouldn't accuse any of them of being master (laughs) sespians. Right. He's, um, I will say, you know, I like to think of myself as being on team, like, shut up. (laughs) But in the book, and I think to some extent in the movies as well, I find his argument for her love a little more compelling. Mm -hmm. That, hey, you don't have to become an undead if you love me. Uh, That's a pretty good argument, I think. Sure. And in the book again I think this is you're right it's probably his acting in the book you get the sense that he's a very warm and like you know they have a more natural chemistry because again like it's if we want to get into the feminist side of things it's really like a horrible 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 things for little girls to be looking up to and wanting to imitate and you know I don't think I'm surprising you to let you know she find she ends up with
1: Yeah uh, uh hey 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 Frances- with, Francesca Francesca Look, I haven't read these books.
0: How are you the only human being listen, in the world that doesn't know that?
1: Because I avoid spoilers, Francesca. If I'm gonna be forced to watch these movies, I don't want the experience spoiled for me, okay? So I've still got two movies to go because they're gonna split Breaking Dawn into two. So just be careful, okay? But you know, you're talking you're talking to somebody who's green to the next ex- Twilight Experience, Saga experience. But look, that all said about Taylor Lautner, and again I do think he improved. I'm ready to hand over my credentials, Francesca. I hereby surrender my movie critic gun and badge to you. Without a hint of irony or sarcasm, I really kind of liked it this time. I really kind of liked this movie. And I think that it just flows much better. The dialogue, while still not great, is better than the previous two movies, and I believe you have the same person writing them. Uh, But you've got David Slade, who I think, just has a better handle not only on the camera but just with the actors and the way the action is all presented and edited throughout the two-hour running time. And I think that they brought a guy like him in who has experience not only with really increased tension in a movie like Hard Candy. uh, This guy he made you squirm with that movie starring Ellen Page and Patrick Wilson. I'm not sure if you saw it. I, mean, it, it, it was I haven't
0: seen it, but I'm aware
1: of it. hard to watch, I'm telling you, especially if you're a man and you'll know what I'm talking about when you see it. But then you have another movie, 30 Days of Night. I haven't seen the entire thing, but I've seen some of it, but it's a vampire action movie. So the guy has experience with action. And by the time we get to the big battle sequence uh, between the army of evil vampires versus the Cullen family and the werewolves in Forks, I really enjoy that action sequence. I didn't think I was going to because I thought the action of the first two movies, what little of it there was, was kind of lame. But this time, I mean, there there are body parts flying. There there are cool slow motion shots. And I I don't know. It it just communicated to me this time around. So, look, Francesca, I get it. I get why people hate it uh, because it's cool to hate it. Maybe, Ew. I'll say. I'm going to um, come over
0: there and punch your face. What? It's damaging to love it. <clears throat> Why is it damaging
1: it. this time? Is it really so bad that, like you said, uh, well, before we went on the air, you felt dumber having seen the movies? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Well, you know, other than yeah, I'd, l- I'd love to hear you explain yourself.
0: Why I feel dumber? Yeah. It's, it is a waste of time. What? <laughs> Um, again, it's my problem dumb movies are made all the time. Mm-hmm. And that is fine and people see them. Mostly people don't see them. I think Robbie Patz made that movie that was like what is it? Remember Me? Yes. Someone told me what that movie you know is about, that it to be the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh-huh. So, dumb movies are getting made all the time. The problem with this is that it is and I'm loath to say it, but I cannot deny it is a phenomena. And this is little girls going, "I am Bella Swan." And that is not a good thing for little girls to want to be. Mm-hmm. She's a girl who only exists for the two men who adore her for no reason, by the way, still haven't given me any reason to understand why these guys adore her. She's whiny and petulant and doesn't do anything. She doesn't do anything. And and there is the suggestion that she is certainly considering giving up literally her whole life for a guy who you know, his gray and wears color contacts that change
1: throughout the month. Well, okay, here, I'll agree with you on one point, that I don't really understand why these other vampires and werewolves would sacrifice their own lives to protect the interests of Bella and what, whichever guy she chooses. What They're basically sacrificing themselves so she can have a happy relationship.
0: And, and she's not worth sacrificing yourself for. She has, Stephanie Meyer has not given us someone to root for. She's not a good protagonist.
1: Yeah, and, and I agree. And like while you're watching these action sequences with Jacob and uh, Edward and all the other vampires, she's just kind of standing there. She's kind of standing in the background waiting for them to finish doing what she's going to do. And no way does she help. I mean, she tries something. Towards the end of this movie, and again, Francesca, we're not going to reveal things. We're not going to get too specific because there are people who still haven't seen this, uh, and they're under rocks Lucky right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, but anyway, yeah, she just kind of stands there, doesn't really do anything. I totally agree with you. Um, so I'm again, I'm just kind of wondering, what is she worth it? What is she doing? Why? Why? Why are we interested in this? And I think it's safe to say that the majority of the the fans out there the fanatical people who read these books and watch these movies with delight they're not there because they love bella swan they i think that she is sufficing as a female damsel in distress type character for edward cullen and jacob black girls who populate the fan base they're going there to watch edward and jacob are they not
0: Yes, but again, they're going in with the "I'm Bella." Right. You know, it's me, and that's not good. That is not good for a girl to say. Like, to have that as the role model. That's who I want to be. Well, she's just kind of a shell. Positives about her. She's, I think, at least twice now. You know, like left her dad for no reason. You know, lying to people, it's sneaking around. Like, and then there, like even in was it? I guess it was the second movie. No, Mm -hmm. maybe it was this last one when her dad is like. Ah, oh, Bella, you're, like, spending too much time with this guy. She is. She's 16. Like, this is not a healthy thing for two teenagers to be so totally obsessed and wrapped up with each other that literally the rest of the world, like, fades and there is nothing else.
1: Are you but talking about the first movie together. or this movie?
0: I think, I'm trying to think. I, I think. She's eight, is, is
1: she not 18 at this point because didn't they just graduate?
0: Oh, that's true. She does say something about being 18.
1: Well, Either way, though. And there's a graduation ceremony in the movie. Where Anna Kendrick gives, you know, the graduation speech. So right. I guess she's legal at this point. Right? Or no Or no, they it said doesn't make it right. wait, I think that her birthday is the the deadline, I guess, right, in terms of you know, and, and, and we're not gonna be you know, we're not gonna be too kind to of the folks that haven't seen New Moon yet because we're up to the third movie. But at this point she wants to become a vampire so she can basically live forever with Edward and stay stay his age forever. Right, and so isn't her birthday when they're going to I guess turn her and you know, possibly marry the two of them? Maybe. Right. I
0: think so. Right. I don't
1: know. Right. I'm I, I'm getting way too wrapped up into this, Francesca. Yeah, the mm-hmm. fact the fact that I'm speaking <laughs> this language now, it's really kind of bothering me. Um and have you seen those Jimmy Fallon uh sketches, The Rob is Bothered where he plays Robert Pattinson up in the tree? and he's he's bothered by everything that's pretty good but look I'm not going to deny it Okay, I think that this is a decent movie I think it's easily the best of the three I think it's just the most fleshed out and I'm not saying that in the same way that I said Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince is easily the best Harry Potter movie uh, that's come out so far because I think that most of those movies were decent to really good movies and that one I thought was excellent I don't think this is an excellent movie it's just kind of like you know A a tallest midget contest, as some people might say. Um, Yeah. So, can you not at least acknowledge that out of the three horrible experiences that you've suffered this past week, that one was the least harsh?
0: I guess I will give you that.
1: (laughs) So, Francesca liked the movie, basically.
0: Shut up. (laughs) No, I did not. Look, your reputation's not on the line. No, I mean... I, I would have never gone to see the movie had I not been told that I had to
1: so we be you, on the
0: radio show right I, would I mean have never I have no interest in this franchise and like other than reading books, the four books to this week, I just had a disdain for it because <clears throat> it is just a disgusting display of how not to be
1: right well, yeah <laughs> okay, well, let me ask you about your theatrical experience because mine was unique and i th- and I would imagine. The first few days are going to be similar for a lot of people. In my theater, of course, it was full of young females, mainly in their teens, uh, some college age, and of course, I mean, there is this uh, percentage of older women, too, that really enjoy these books and these films, and I mean, you can imagine why. Um, But when certain things would happen, say when Taylor Lautner would walk on the screen shirtless, what?
0: He didn't wear a shirt sometimes?
1: That's weird. At times. Um, but when he would walk on the screen not wearing a shirt, the theater erupted. Not in applause, but in like... Cat again, calls. Well, yeah, kind of like cat calls, wooing, hooting, and hollering, oh. that kind of thing, gasping. It was amazing. Oh, no! It was amazing. I mean, these are people that, you know, probably read a lot of magazines that you know, say, like, Us Us Weekly or People Magazine and, uh, you know, things like that where there are plenty of pictures of shirtless guys. Uh, but I guess seeing it up on the big screen and in motion like that just does it for them. Wow. Yeah. Did, did you have a similar experience? Was there Were there audible gasps? Was there applause during uh, certain scenes? I mean, when there were certain professions in the movie, when certain characters kissed others' applause throughout the entire theater? for me.
0: Well, I went to a 9:15 movie. So it was fairly late and the theater that we have near us is not the busiest busiest theater. So it was not like it was it was not full by any stretch of the imagination. And we were in a really big auditorium and they were showing it every hour. So it was it was not really full. However, when a certain profession <laughs> perhaps a certain gift was given, shall we say, <laughs> uh, yes, there was a tittering of applause. And I, again, this was one of about, you know, five times when my eyes threatened to just stay permanently pointed at the back of my head. Wow. Because I was like, oh, my gosh. Did Matt. Please, so, my God. So
1: Matt did not go see this with you, right?
0: No. We we decided that yeah, I didn't hate him that much, and it was really not worth spending the money for two of us to go see it. So I just went by myself after right. Naomi went to bed.
1: Okay. Well, I mean. And I
0: actually was literally cramming in uh, New Moon, like,
1: Right the moment it. that
0: I left because I had to, like, finish it in a hurry.
1: Wow, so you were fresh going into it. I was, fresh. It. Wow, that's pretty, I was that's, fresh. that's pretty interesting. From
0: the terrible ending of New Moon.
1: Well, let me let me uh, tell you what I didn't like about this movie specifically, okay? Okay. Uh, number one, that's army of vampires that is converted, I guess, by the Victoria character who's now played by Bryce Dallas Howard. They got a legitimate actor to turn in some maybe not so legitimate work. She does okay. Um, mm mm-hmm. It's like an army of J Crew models, storming forks, don't you think? I mean, I'm just—I feel like I'm watching a a, a catalog come to life. Well, it's... I'll tell you,
0: that was not ever made abundantly clear uh-huh. how exactly that all went down because there was like the uh, the the kind of main guy Riley mm-hmm. of the newborns. Like, if he was a newborn too, then why was he like cool and like? whatever, guys, keep down, you know? Like, shouldn't he have also been frantic and
1: crazy well, and searching? He, so I was he, like,
0: did he make the other one?
1: It he was, was not, given that power. That was not really clear to me. He was given power by Victoria, right?
0: But, I mean, what does that mean, given power? Well, she
1: was like his – he was her pawn, you know? So she, he was like her second-in-command. So I guess, she, you know, she, well, she was in control of him, therefore she was in control of that army. He was the leader, I guess. He was the first one that turned, and he turned the rest of them. Like, once he became a vampire – she influenced him to create more vampires that they But could if I may nerd out for you really sure. quickly,
0: the idea with the newborns is that they can't stop. And even good vampires like the Cullens have a very hard time changing somebody because once they get a taste of the blood, the problem is, which we saw in the first movie, with our pets trying to suck the venom out of Bella's arm, right. that it's hard for them to stop. And newborns in particular are supposed to be, like, extra ruthless because they're just all, you know, id. Functioning. So that's right. what I don't understand: is how if he was a newborn, why did he how have so much he, control? It didn't make sense that he could be in charge of and be like reprimanding other newborns.
1: I guess uh, Stephanie Meyer decided to take some liberties, maybe more than a few.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. Well, maybe and, so.
1: okay. And here's here's one thing I kind of liked. I liked the introduction of uh, Jasper as uh, more of a central character. I think he's an interesting character, and what he brought to the table was kind of cool. But mm-hmm. I thought his backstory was kind of silly and I thought it even sillier when he you know, conveniently dropped into his Texas accent right. when he found it necessary, you know. I don't
0: understand their the accents and the bad wigs. Like uh Nikki Reed, is that her name? Yeah. Like you could not find a girl who was more of a non blonde Yeah, it's the like, I, like the most yeah. Italian or whatever. Brunette. She is. Yeah,
1: I I totally agree with you. When I was watching it, I thought, wow, they're really trying to cover up the fact that she is a brunette, and they just which can't it just do doesn't it. make
0: sense to me because, I mean, that is a, you know the character is supposed to have this gorgeous long blonde hair, and right. you know they're all supposed to be very statuesque and beautiful because they're vampires, and you are beautiful when you're a vampire, but like. I'm like, just find a blonde actress. Like, she doesn't have that much to do anyways. Why on earth would you cast this girl? Right. Like, well, look, know, it, we're talking about... fashion in front of us. Sorry, Nicky Reed, oh, but wow. it's just a fact. I'm a little Italian, too. It's okay. Look, it
1: happens. <laughs> we're talking... Again, this is a matter of convenience, because the first director uh, in this franchise was Catherine Hardwick, who co-wrote and directed uh, 13 along um, with true. Nikki Reed. And so it's like, all right, well, I'm going to bring my friend on. I'm going to give her some work, okay, because she's not getting many offers elsewhere. And I guess, you know, you're kind of stuck with that problem once you've cast one person and the audience responds enough. you got to keep them around for the entire franchise. But I will say that she, I agree, she hasn't looked great <clears throat> throughout the, the, the uh, series so far. But I think in this one, they did yes. the best job, especially during her uh, rather unnecessary flashback. But I, again, I know, it's, I, I know it's part of the books. It's just the fact that you never see her character pretty much for the rest of the movie after right. she pours out her entire soul to Bella. I thought was a little strange and it's
0: you know and and but these are the elements of the book that did you know it's interesting in the book because again it's like oh thank god a break from you know these two people breathing heavily at each other Mm -hmm. like and you know the Jasper backstory and eventually you'll get the alice backstory and the Esme and the you know like they are actually a compelling cast of characters yeah but again it's it's baffling why they're all risking life and limb you know, for Bella. Yeah. But they—that is the stuff that's in the book that is interesting, and again, could have been more interesting. You know, she did. I, it's gonna happen. It's happening right now. You gotta look at Harry Potter versus Twilight. It has to happen. <laughs> These are the two huge book franchises that have become huge movie franchises.
1: Okay. No spoilers, though.
0: No, no, no. I'm just saying, J.K. Rowling. When you go see a Harry Potter movie, if you've read the books, you're like, oh man, I can't believe they left out this. Mm-hmm. that's such a good part, and it's so, inter- you know, how are they going to then do the next three movies? Because this is so interwoven in the plot. Like, she's created this world full of people you care about. Like, even Harry, who's supposed to be your everyman and who kind of is probably the blankest slate of all of the characters in the, in the books and the movies, you know, there's enough there that you want to relate to him and that you feel for him, not just going like, he's a stand-in for me. But, like, Bella, you didn't get that. There's not anything compelling about her. There's not even any reason to feel like she deserves this. You know, she doesn't come from like a truly troubled background that she needs this escape. Like, there's nothing there. It's,
1: it's all just... about the female experience, watching these films and reading these books. Bella serves as the template, the shell of just a, a female being that readers can slide into, and they want to feel like they can make the decision. They they've got the choice between Edward and Jacob. And they they that's why they want to live through Bella because she's presented with this unimaginably wonderful choice to uh, make right my gosh. I mean am I wrong? Is that not what people are thinking here? Is that not why people I, I guess like Bella because if you know if they didn't then maybe Edward and Jacob wouldn't like them either uh, but here's here's what I'm wondering Francesca okay when Naomi gets a little older and starts reading young adult literature when she says, Mommy, I want to read Twilight. I want to read the Twilight books. What's your response going to be?
0: I will let her, and we will discuss them. And by this point, she will be smart enough to go. This girl is a jack a. <laughs> because she will. There's there is a, you know, there are certain things that are like the quintessential, you know, female experience that girls really, you know, grow up and go like, I want to do that. I want to do that. My mother. You know, in some, I didn't want to do these things that girls hold up as very important. I was, you know, a 13-year-old going, well, that's stupid. Like, why do people think that's an important or, which, you know, I'm, I'm trying really hard not to say things that are going to offend people, but there are certain things that girls are supposed to want to do that I grew up going, but that's a waste of time. That's really silly. Like, why is that the focus of people's lives? Right. And I'm hoping very much that I can raise a child who will also feel that way about these sorts of things, these sorts of quintessential female experiences.
1: Well, it, it clearly we have, you know, we feel differently about this movie. I think that it's it's obvious that I liked it a little more than you did, and I'm kind of surprised by this. Uh, I'm maybe, not
0: your girly man.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe that's true. Tess Tess has issues. Um, again,
0: it wouldn't. I wouldn't take any of these. St- such strong feelings if it was just a movie no one was seeing, but it's a movie that people are seeing and lauding and holding up as, you know, as you said, a template for themselves, and that is troubling. Well, fans are. Critics
1: me. aren't. Critics aren't. I mean, critics are saying that this is the best one of the bunch so far. They. St- I hear a lot of people say, finally, we see what feels like a real movie in the Twilight series, but yes, you're right. There are millions of fans out there that can't get enough and will never get enough. And I, w- I would wager, and again, don't spoil anything for me, no matter what I say here, I would mm-hmm. wager that we haven't seen the last book, and after Breaking Dawn, the films are gone, we haven't seen the last Twilight movie, and Summit better make a deal, if they don't want to make a film, if they better make a deal to spawn some sort of television series, because, I mean, good lord, this is a cash cow. Um, I will I will
0: say only this, that a door is... It is. It is one of those endings that it's. It's final, but it could also be an open door to another. You know. It's a little bit of a Kill Bill situation, kind of thing, where it's like, you know, it's 18 years later. Uh-huh. Somebody wants to. Okay.
1: All right. Not Stop really right there. That. Stop right there, please. Again, if wait. I
0: to, it's not really that, though. I have to. I have to backpedal.
1: Okay. You've are, as you're, much as you're making it worse. <sighs> already. Look <laughs> no. again. If I if I'm going to be forced to watch these, I'm going to go in. Green, you know, and I'm gonna go in not not wanting to know what happens, so I don't just. You I'm know. not giving
0: you. I'm talking as general. I'm just saying you could either have more stuff or not. Okay. It's not an imperative that there is more stuff.
1: All right. There
0: is an option for there to be if you wanted to.
1: Well, Twilight, the Twilight Saga: colon, Eclipse is playing at the Cobb Hollywood 16 and nationwide, and uh, when we come back, Francesca, she, you, you told me you were gonna stick around, right? We're gonna, we're sure. Gonna, we're gonna stick this thing out. Okay, when we talk, we're gonna sort through a few headlines, industry headlines, and get get uh, give you some opinions on those. So please do stick around. I'm gonna play a really super emo-friendly uh, song here uh, for our break. Um, this is, I guess, one of the original emo crews, I guess, on the music scene, and they're actually one of them is actually featured in the last film. So do stick around. This is Aspect Radio on 90.7. I'm not gonna debate you, Jerry. Okay. I'm not gonna sit here and
0: debate. 90.7. <laughs>
1: Back here on ninety point seven, this is Aspect Radio. I am Ben Flanagan, and I am joined by the coughing Francesca Uh-oh. Scalici. <laughs> Hello. Hello, and welcome back. And of course, I couldn't I couldn't resist playing a little bit from the Twilight soundtrack. That is mused with Supermassive Black Hole played during the baseball sequence of Twilight, and that's all. Oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't even
0: talk about that.
1: No, no, let's not talk about that. I think we're gonna hurt I think we're gonna hurt people's feelings if we say. Certain things about that, okay? Certain people's feelings. So okay. let's, uh, yeah, let's steer clear. Uh, but anyway, as we've mentioned in previous weeks, Corey and I will soon begin our journey into finally seeing what of the American Film Institute Top 100 American movies we haven't seen yet. And between the two of us, we have 15 left to go. in Francesca, mm-hmm. they are as follows: the, yeah. the Grapes of Wrath, Mr. and Miss, excuse me, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. The treasure of the Sierra Madre, It Happened One Night, From Here to Eternity, Stagecoach, An American in Paris, Ben Hur, Wuthering Heights, The Wild Bunch, Giant, Mutiny on the Bounty, The Jazz Singer, A Place in the Sun, and appropriately for today, Yankee Doodle Dandy. Um <clears throat> so I mean if you're if you're picking based on what you just heard, some of those titles you just heard, what should we what should we see first?
0: I will tell you that it happened one night is one of the most delightful films. It is a treasure. I love it so much. I saw it a few years ago for the first time, and I couldn't believe it was still so funny. I couldn't. I mean, like, there's a certain quaintness that sometimes you're like, oh, that's charming. This is like a stand-up funny movie. It was really good.
1: Yeah. Well, I, it I, quite I can't enjoyable. wait. Yeah. We. Well, yeah. I'm hoping
0: against hope that I am talking about the right movie. <laughs> this <laughs> isn't like a Titanic movie or something. <laughs> this is the uh, Clark Gable, Claudette, whatever her name is.
1: Uh, yeah, Colbert. I think I thought you were talking about something with like Charles Grodin and Mary Steenburgen or something like that. No. no. Okay, Clifford. <laughs> no.
0: Yes, this is the movie that I am. Yes, it is it is quite a delight.
1: Well, I can't wait to see it. It's, You know, it's the original uh, Big Five Oscar winner, the Best Picture, director, actor, actress, and screenplay. Right. Nice. Yeah. Well, you will
0: you will enjoy it, and it is um a what to say guy who did It's a Wonderful Life. Capra? Yeah, Capra, yeah. him, whatever. That dude. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. I don't know. He's made some great classes, but it's 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 quite an enjoyable movie. And Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, we watched in one of my high school classes, and it was one of those, like, oh, this isn't just great because it's not class. It's actually a really good movie.
1: Right. You know? And
0: Those were the two that I had... And I saw *Wuthering Heights*, but I don't remember much about it except for that. And again, that's uh, that's an appropriate really
1: like pick. It. And I, look, I'm going to catch you off guard with this, but I I, I have faith that you're going to be able to come up with something. But oh gosh. Uh, this list that I was discussing with another uh, show friend and contributor Ben Stark yesterday, we were talking about our favorite movies about America, uh, and you know, and tying in with the Fourth of July, of course. And oh gosh, you know, he said this is these are movies that sort of help remind you why America kicks butt, his words. Um, and my list, I'll, I'll go ahead and read mine out there, and, you you know, while I'm reading mine, you can come up with something. Uh, mine are Glory, The Bad News Bears, original, Saving Private Ryan, The American President, Easy Rider, All the President's Men, Apollo 13, Rocky, and Team America, World Police. <laughs> Those are my favorites, nice. yeah. So what about you? Any any that I'm missing?
0: Well, now, and I will go ahead and say that this is not everyone's cup of tea, my husband especially being one of them, but this is sort of a, a nostalgic and familial pick. I enjoy the musical 1776, i got to say. I'm mm-hmm. a fan, mm-hmm. uh, which, again, it's just kind of because I grew up on that, but mm. if you like musicals, and you like, you know, the Revolutionary War, man, you cannot go wrong.
1: <laughs> and if you like the Revolutionary War, I really dug that war, so, you know. Um,
0: now, here we go. Here's a, this is a beautiful movie, The Sandlot.
1: Yeah, okay. That is lovely yeah. and
0: nostalgic and great. And I, Radio Days, like, I like very, like, Americana kind of, you know, like a Christmas story, those sorts of things. I mean, these are not really patriotism per se, but I feel like they're nice, like, American experience movies.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. The Sandlot is uh, an incredibly fun movie. And you know, I love watching it. And, and you, you said 1776. One of my grad school classmates, she watches that movie like 5 times a year. She loves it so much. It's
0: an acquired taste, but if, again, if you like musicals, if you can if you can watch a musical and not laugh just because it's a musical, you know. It's pretty good.
1: (laughs) Hey, yeah, maybe I'll check it out. Um, But, yeah, so anyway, good picks for sure. Uh, And, you know, I was going down this list on Facebook, and a lot of people posted uh, Ben Starks, his picks included Big Night, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, The Iron Giant, uh, Gangs of New York, I'm not a big fan, Uh, Citizen Kane, his favorite movie, Oh, Brother Arthur, I think he just puts that on every list he makes. Uh, Sure. Good Night and Good Luck and American Graffiti. Oh, Good Night and Good Luck, that's a good one. American Graffiti is also a great pick, and he also said Network. That is so nice. Yeah. And so, uh, some, other, some other picks on here. Again, Team America popped up, and uh, The New World was mentioned, the Terrence Malick movie about Pocahontas, the the blueprint for yeah. Avatar, I guess you could uh-uh. say. Um, so, anyway, yeah, I mean, if you've got we'll, – we'll throw it out there. If you've got some favorite movies about America, you can call in 348-9070, and you can share why you love them so much. But, anyway, uh, from that AFI list that I mentioned before, we do want listeners to pick which movies – we begin with and watch week to week, so do email us at 90.7movies at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash radio. Now some quick headlines, Francesca, I want your opinion on these. Okay. It seems that Andrew Garfield, the young actor of Red Riding, apparently, will okay. fill Toby Maguire's shoes as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. And this is for Sony's reboot of its Spider-Man franchise to be directed by Mark Webb, who did 500 Days of Summer. Now, the studios, the studio will release the film in 3-D, of course, on July third, two 2012. And it's going to be, begin production in December. James Vanderbilt wrote the screenplay, and Laura Ziskin and Abby Arad will produce. And look, I'm totally unfamiliar with this kid and pretty indifferent towards the series at this point. Not a big fan of the first three movies, And I have really little to say about this other than this is just another example of why I'm so sick of seeing the same movies over and over. And I think so much is depending on Christopher Nolan's movie Inception later this summer. So it sort of wins a chance for original storytelling to be made and they won't recycle the garbage that we see year to year. What do you think? Are you a Spider-Man fan? Um, Yeah,
0: I like it well enough. My question for you is, I think my understanding is this reboot is going to, like, pit him back into high school, and is that correct?
1: Yes. I believe that's correct. Now,
0: this, I'm interested to know what, like, the fanboys out there think, because Matt and I have had this discussion, and this is not, like, within the comic book world, which I am very, very peripherally have had experience in. Mostly I just know I have friends who are really into comic books who have occasionally given me, you know, stuff to read. It happens all the time. Superheroes are constantly being reimagined, and there are you know different versions, different time periods of their story being told. So, this actually, though it seems like it's just a retread, could actually be fairly original. Mm -hmm. You know.
1: All right, I'll buy it. I'll buy that. I just don't now. Yeah, and look, the 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 Spider-Man franchise under Sam Raimi and with Tobey Maguire, it was getting kind of tired anyway. The last movie was not very good it was time yeah, it was for something new. Out. Yeah, so, okay, good call. Maybe maybe you're right about that. Uh, so, apparently also Nine Inch Nails frontman Trent Reznor will compose the score for David Fincher's latest film, The Social Network, which I think is borrowing a page from Paul Thomas Anderson's collaboration with Radiohead guitarist Johnny Greenwood on There Will Be Blood, if the music resembles the terrific teaser trailer's ominous notes, as Jason Segel would put it. We'll be in good hands, I think. Are you a Nine Inch Nails fan, Francesca?
0: <laughs> You'll be surprised to hear no after I've just professed my love for 1776. Right. That's not really my cup of tea. <laughs> um, it seems odd to me. This is Aaron Sorkin wrote this. Text, oh, yeah,
1: that correct? means you're in, right? <clears throat>
0: um, I, I Definitely. I'm interested, but that, I don't know, that seems like kind of an odd... Aaron Sorkin, you know, at least judging by, like, the West Wing, you know, has a, mm-hmm. has a penchant for sort of classic John Williams esque Grand music. I can't imagine how... A nine inch nails, but again, I don't know anything about anything, so maybe I should have no opinion on. Well, this. look,
1: I, I just hope he writes a better screenplay than he did with Charlie Wilson's War, of which I was not a big fan.
0: I, you know, I think the screenplay was fine. I think it was not, it was just not particularly. <laughs> so engaging. your boy, your, your boy
1: did fine, right? He, he, he. Not right <laughs> out. Oh, yeah, right. Well, look, I, again, I should have made this more Francesca friendly, uh, but again, we we decided that you were gonna stay on the entire show, uh, you know, right before we got going, so bear with me here once again. Uh, reports right. yeah. Reports suggest that Australian director George Miller is working on two new Mad Max films which are slated to shoot back to back and the title is already uh, known as Mad Max Fury Road uh, the first one anyway uh, and it's going to be followed by Mad Max Furiosa so you've got Fury Road and Furiosa coming out back to back yeah. and the two films are going to be shot back to back in rapid release and are going to star Tom Hardy who played the title role in the movie Bronson from last year, really really great performance in a solid movie and he's also going to be in Inception later this summer. So, any thoughts on Mad Max, Francesca? I have literally no thoughts. Okay. You haven't seen the originals with Mel Gibson?
0: No, I haven't.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, I mean they're fair. Uh, I didn't I've, I've seen the first one Mad Max: Part of the Road Warrior, which people will tend to prefer, and I've not seen Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome star- co-starring Tina Turner. Uh, and wow, we, uh, now that
0: you have piqued my interest, sir.
1: <laughs> well, you've got Netflix, so make it happen. I'm not sure if it's instant watch, but you know, you, you can find out for yourself. I'll, I'll put it that way. That's a
0: good job in the city. Okay. That's all I need to say about that.
1: Yeah, I think we should go to break now um, <laughs> based on that. And we're not going to play that song. We're going to play something that has a tie to the Sandlot that you mentioned before. Uh, okay. And we will take a break. And when we come back, some more announcements and a few DVD picks. So, Francesca, come up with some DVD picks. and We'll okay. give them to the listeners. So, again, we will be right back. This is Aspect Radio. Stick around.
0: Are you hungry? I know I'm okay right now. Thank you. <laughs> must be angry at the baby whenever it steals your food. Oh, like, oh it's mine, not yours. But, you know, <laughs> because you're a family, you guys share. <laughs> 90.7.
1: Welcome back here on 90.7. This is Aspect Radio. I'm Ben Flanagan, joined by Francesca Scalici. Mm-hmm. Welcome back. Thank uh, you. And let's keep this quick. Let's do some DVD picks. I watched The White Ribbon a few nights ago, and it really, <clears throat> it quickly found what is now a late spot on my list for the best films of 2009. I mean, this is shot in black and white and really leisurely paced, deliberately so, of course, by Michael Haneke, the director. But I'd argue it really is as gripping as anything you saw last year. Highly entertaining, uh, two-and-a-half-hour running time. And again, this is a very slow movie, but I was enthralled the entire time. And it comes highly recommended. And it also played at the Bama Summer Movie Series last week, the same night I watched it. I picked it up at the Redbox, actually. Uh, So anyway. And I'll also watch the French heist film Rafifi from 1955 soon. I've heard it has the greatest heist in movie history. And... The Scalichis will appreciate this. I also started Season 1 of Breaking Bad last night. Yay! Yeah, and so far, so good. I got I got it on Blu-ray, finally from Netflix. It was a very, very long wait, and it came. And it seems like it... it, it I've heard that the first season has seven episodes. Would I be right?
0: Oh, I don't remember. Okay, I think
1: yeah. Matt mentioned that, and I, I think this disc has the entire season on it, so... Hopefully, uh, I'll be watching the entire thing, finishing it out pretty soon on one disc. So
0: you are in for a great, great experience.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's so far so good again, but I don't understand. It, it's super R rated the first episode, and this aired on AMC. There's like yes,
0: and it um it actually there are there are certain scenes in that first episode where I think they were coming out the gate swinging, going like we are edgy. Right. It sort of tones down, and but there is a lot of violence. Um, and there's an occasional f bomb, I think, as well. Oh, several f
1: bombs, and there's nudity too. Lots of nudity.
0: Well, and it's a little bit, huh? Again, though, I think that that sort of simmers down. Yeah. But as Matt always points out, he's like, "Well, it is cable. Like they are a lot." Yeah, that's on true. Cable. I guess that's so. true.
1: But I mean, it's kind of, I don't know. I guess break, yeah, yeah. breaking some barriers, so to speak. Um. So anyway, yeah. what are what are your picks, Francesca?
0: Well, I would like to tell those who have a hankering for vampires that um, why don't you go watch Interview with a Vampire or if you want to really impress people, go watch Nosferatu. Get your vampire on that way.
1: Which version? The Although,
0: wasn't he like Dracula? Now that I think about it. What, Nosferatu? Dracula movie. The old, like the old, old, old one.
1: Okay. Because, you know, Herzog, Werner Herzog made one, I think maybe back in the 70s with Klaus Kinski.
0: Probably good. Watch that one too. Whatever.
1: Yeah. Okay. Anything else?
0: Uh. Well... Uh, Matt and I watched a few weeks ago *An Education*, which was great mm-hmm. and not what I was expecting at all. I was really expecting it to be sort of taking it like very serious, mm-hmm. and it was just a really delightful movie. Which, if I had thought about the fact that it was a corny, then I would have come to that conclusion myself. Yeah. Uh, Matt and I recently finished watching the now defunct *Party Down*, which was not. It was not really totally even. It had some moments, but it reminded us both. Now, if you haven't watched Veronica Mars, you certainly should because that was a really fine show. And I scoff on at. Instant Watch, I scoff actually. at
1: that like you scoff at Twilight. Okay.
0: Well, I'm telling you, Matt also scoffed at me, <laughs> and I have a penchant for reading between the lines in Entertainment Weekly. Uh-huh. And sometimes they recommend stuff that's real stupid, right? But I can read it and go like, No, I think that that would be good. And Veronica Mars, I. Brought Matt into, and he is probably a bigger defender of it than I am. Right. To this day. But
1: see, I I have a bad reputation of um, or I have the reputation of sort of rejecting some of the things that Matt recommends to me, especially on the well, small do, small yeah. screen. Yeah. So. But
0: this is coming from me and It's on Instant Watch. What do you have to lose? Yeah, I
1: trust you more than I trust Matt uh, in terms of television. So, uh, we'll we'll, we'll see much. what happens. <laughs> yeah. Sure. No problem. I and mean, you can tell him I said that. Uh, but no I totally agree with you about an education I was kind of going into it the same way thinking it was gonna be kind of a a drag you know just another one of those kind of I don't know frustrating period pieces that tries to be successful as a coming of age movie but just kind of falls short but I really really like that movie very much and I think a lot of young women should see that movie yeah uh, I think it's you know I made this argument a while back I think it's kind of like, in film form, kind of like the female catcher in the rye in a way you know yeah uh, was,
0: I mean it's it's certainly like the anti-twilight yeah that it's this girl who thinks she's got it all figured out goes and has the experiences that she thinks she deserves right and then gets an education son and it was very <laughs> logical what happened but very unfilm like what happened right. You know? Yeah. It wasn't what you expected to happen because it was what would really happen in real life probably. And
1: well-deserved Oscar nominations for Carey Mulligan and the film oh, itself for best radiant. picture. Yeah. He was
0: radiant.
1: Yeah. It, was, was, it radiant. was good stuff and I thought Peter Sarsgaard did a good job too, you know, as her as her lover, as her older gentleman caller, I guess you could say who's there, there's a little more to him. Uh, so yeah. that, that that does come highly recommended and but I did I will say that I was not crazy about the ending, about the la- the final scene of it. I thought it could have ended earlier than it did but it just kind of chose to tack this one extra scene on. But, again... I no. can't really
0: remember what that was. Minor I quabble. It, with, it was such a... It was one of those movies that after the fact, too, I was thinking about it and going like, oh, what on this level, also, this is going <laughs> on. Like, that's so smart. Right. Like, it was very enjoyable. Definitely. And just for those who are little girls and want to do a girly thing, let me recommend to you Felicity.
1: Mmm, Tess is a huge fan.
0: It is quite a good show, and I went into it thinking, I don't know about this. And it is... It, it has that element that Freaks and Geeks had, that instead of being like a high drama, people are having affairs with teachers and getting having pregnancy scares, it's like the quiet tragedies that happen in college experience.
1: Right, and uh, yeah, and it's J.J. J. Abrams, so maybe that'll turn some people on to it. So. Yeah,
0: but it's, ex- except for there is a weird episode that is a Twilight Zone thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of strange and doesn't really fit with the tone of the show, but certainly you appreciate then, you know, this was before J.J. J. Abrams was J.J. J. Abrams. Right. That the, clearly the seeds were
1: there. Right, and we will have to check that out for sure, but let's make some quick announcements. Opening nationwide and in, in Tuscaloosa, Cobb, Hollywood 16 this week, Eclipse from the Twilight Saga, which we reviewed, with uh-huh. Kristen Stewart, Robert Pattinson, and Taylor Lautner. The Last Airbender, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, which is getting panned by critics, including Roger Ebert, who was particularly brutal. I recommend going to the RottenTomatoes.com page and just reading the blurbs. It it's a fun read, uh, and yeah. I'll just remind you also that Pixar's Toy Story 3 is still in theaters. I'm just going to throw that out there for people uh, who are limited on their choices. Cry. Yeah, well, and also keep an eye out for the Bama Art House Summer Movie Series. It continues next week with the Oscar-nominated foreign language film A Prophet next Tuesday, July 6th at 8 p.m. at the Bama Theater if you have any feedback, you can email us at 90.7movies at gmail.com. If you feel like we've missed something or have a suggestion as to films we can review or topics we can discuss, please do email us. And you can follow us on Twitter at Aspect Radio uh, or Twitter.com slash Aspect Radio. Um, download this and other episodes of the show on our blog, aspectradio.tumblr.com. Tumblr spelled T U M B L R. We'll also post the podcast on Twitter and Facebook. Don't forget to visit our buddy Matt Scalici, Francesca's husband. His website, filmnerds.com, where you'll find some cool podcasts and a really fun blog that often features my co-host, Corey's Reviews. And you can catch my and Corey's columns in Tusk Magazine, found in every Friday edition of the Tusk Listen News. And next Saturday, on July 10th, we've scheduled Adam Kempinar from the terrific movie podcast, Film Spotting, which you can find at filmspotting.net. He was going to join us live at 9 a.m. next week. Uh, but on their site's front page, there is an announcement that says the show is currently on hiatus due to a personal matter. And I don't know if that's going to affect his appearance on our show, but I'll keep you posted on Twitter. Either way, we do hope all is well with Adam and Maddie at Film Spotting. It really is great. Fridays aren't the same without it, but we do understand that personal matters come first. But I do want to thank you, Francesca, for joining me. It's been a delight.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and thank uh,
1: you. and I'm sorry that I put you through what I put you through this past week, but I think yeah. it was worth it. I really do. do
0: you- mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Well, please do come back. I mean, I hope this isn't the last time we hear from you. I'm always here. Awesome. Okay, well, go uh, rescue Naomi from Matt. I'm sure she could use the rescue. And, again, we do appreciate it. And uh, we will be back next week with or without Mr. Kempinar, though we do hope it is with. This is Aspect Radio. I am Ben Flanagan. Corey will also be back next week. Thank you very much for listening.
0: I'm going home now. I apologize for what I said. I hope you can forget it, but I'm going home right now.